You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski. Our guest today is Kevin McGeehan. Boy, this guy's got a story to tell. He's told it on his podcast entitled Funny Cause It's True. He's told it in his one-man show, Four Aces. It's about his relationship with his mother and a very special gift that the two of them gave to each other. Get a box of Kleenex for this one. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, let's talk about it on the other end. In the meantime, here's Kevin and me talking. Right. Uh, I ran a show for three and a half years called Funny Because It's True, where it was my bastardized version of a moth story slam where mm-hmm. people could come in, submit their names, and come up and tell a true story based upon the theme of the night. And it was at Second City. Correct. In Chicago. I mean, in uh, L.A. Here, in L.A. Yeah. And from there, I would take my favorite ones and just put them on a podcast. So each episode was 20 minutes long, right. three stories. I always told the last one. Right. Uh, and then after a while, the, the show ran its course. Right. So then I just pulled the podcast. And I'm not going to lie, there was a part of me that was so relieved of the amount of work that goes into making uh-huh. a simple audio thing that goes out to people. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And uh, I love it. <laughs> but then again, Ian does so much work. I yeah. mean, Ian just... Ian Mine is does... a guy named Phil Ranta. Uh-huh. Oh, no, Phil. Yes. Yeah. Phil would do all that stuff. Yeah, I saw Phil at um, this wedding that I, uh, I officiated the other day. He's a handsome man. He is a handsome man. He's a handsome, tall man. He's a handsome, tall man. So Phil used it up. Yes. Uh-huh. Because he's so savvy in that stuff. And yeah. And he was fantastic with it. And, yeah, I became overwhelmed on my end. So what, what was overwhelming? What was it that was overwhelming? The grind of it. Oh, the uh, grind. But, you, but yours also had the show and the cut. Cutting? You were cutting? Yeah, I was picking all of them. I was, right. Then I was going through and kind of editing stories sometimes and taking out dead parts and right. blah, blah, blah. Right. But the main thing of it was since the show ran its course, I just felt like I had all of these stories that I had spent all this time working on that now I wanted to go to the next level and take all of this stuff that I'd worked on for three and a half years and see what else I could do with it. So, so you, what you did was you are repurposing it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right now, five of my stories that I did in that show are now in Men's Health Magazine right. as first-person narratives. Right. That, so it's that cool thing of seeing what I can do with these stories that this show forced me to write, and now I'm actually using that material as opposed to now it's done. That's fucking great. That's great. Thank you. Uh, and the Men's Health uh, magazine, uh, you write for that, and someone else I know has written. Canali wrote one of them. Canali wrote one, mm-hmm. and I think Gary Rudin wrote one. Yes. Um, and uh, about his dad. Uh, it was a great one, too. It was really great. Yeah. He's got a really awesome story about his mom, too. Yeah. You know, because uh, uh, your Bon Voyage story is just so epic. Uh, and I mean, epic the way the kids use it these sure. days. Sure, it's not that it's long, it's but just it's, that it's epic. It's a big story. Yeah. It's a lot of components just for right. one thing of the end of someone's life, but everything surrounding it is pretty cool. And that in itself, like to look at, I get all, I get choked up, and I know you get choked up too when I think about the world that we live in right now and how we're really, if those of us who are doing art, there's something about a heart sponge. You know, where we go, oh, I, I'm taking that in, I'm taking that in, and yeah. say something, and suddenly I'm just, I'm weeping at these, at these stories and these truisms and these, uh, the, the, the history that people have 
the things that people have gone through that they never thought they had the energy or the courage or the bravery or the cojones or the vulnerability to do. And when they do it, they come out the other end of that going, whoa, I know me better or I like me better or I have more confidence in me better, might as well, rule of threes, <laughs> than I ever thought that I have, than I ever thought that I would have. I honestly look at the period of my mother's death and everything leading up to it as the year zero between my BC and current AD. Right. Uh, that everything changed in that one section. And just on, once again on a previously on, uh -huh. uh, in 2006, I received an early morning phone call to come home and help my mother. Who you, were just on the, you were on a Second City cruise ship. I was on a Second City cruise ship. And right. then uh, I we'd come into port and I finally have phone service again. And it's that thing where... Oh, good. Well, let me check my messages, and I see the timestamp of when everything come in, came right. in, and it was, oh, this is way too early for this to be good news. Right, right. This yeah. is way too early for this to be good news. What yeah. a sentence that is, ha is said every single day. Yeah. Right now, someone's saying it. It's too early to be good news somewhere, just as it is time, drink o'clock. So There's our to. depressing bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we were going to get one. Yeah, yeah, we'll find four. I'm sure we'll find more. Yeah. So but, getting back. But the point being, the, the cool thing about it is that I, I went home and lived with her for what ultimately was in her Florida. final five months. Correct. In Jacksonville, you, and you Florida. And you went from Chicago to Florida. Yes. Yes. So that was my main, I was living in Chicago for 12 years, and then this was now uh, the end of that. The end of living in Chicago. Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, that whole time period, everything that I'd done was now, in my mind, complete. I. I still have so many ties to it, but like I look at that chunk, that chapter of my life as mm -hmm. this is the close to it. Here's the brand new. Mm -hmm. So I go home. She has a terminal diagnosis of six months to a year. I what live with cancer her. did she have? She had a leiomyosarcoma, which is a it, rare. It rhymes. It rhymes beautifully, and it sounds so cutesy. Leiomyosarcoma. It, it sounds so sweet and it, lovely, it, but it is, it is so mean. It oh, is, my God. Oh. It's full of vowels. It's so many vowels, and I have to look it up each time I spell it because yeah. it doesn't seem like it would be spelled this yeah. way. L-E-I-M-Y-O-S-A-R-C-O-M-A. Yes. Leomyosarcoma. Hey, and it ends well. It is, I mean, it ends well, but it, yeah. it doesn't end well. Right. It, but it, it ends well. It's uh, like Phonetically, sarcoma. it's beautiful. Oh, it's really Just a beautiful word. Leomyosarcoma. That's it. If you're going to do a jingle, I mean, you pretty much wrote it. So. Here's our second depressing bumper sticker. <laughs> Uh, um, so she had sarcoma. So I uh, very aggressive, very aggressive, mm -hmm. um, and it was once again a terminal diagnosis. She was given, uh, as she put it, she was at the Mayo Clinic at Jacksonville, mm -hmm. and as she put it, the big boys have told me I'm done. Right. So these were the because they specialize in this specific research. Um, so it was as we used to call it. It was the worst situation under the best circumstances possible. Yes. She had the top doctors that were researching specifically what she had. They were able to make her very comfortable in what time she had left. Right. Uh, she was able to keep her home of 29 years and stay there because I came home to help her. Mm -hmm. I was also at a time period where my life, as yes. I knew it, was coming to kind of a natural conclusion in Chicago. So this was, that's the natural next step. Mm -hmm. So while I was there, uh, she in was- In Chattanooga. While a, you were there in Chattanooga. Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, 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 Jacksonville. Uh, okay, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, so um, while I'm there, she was very pragmatic, very funny, very intelligent lady. And one of the things that we made a conscious decision because of an episode of The West Wing that really resonated with the two of us, mm -hmm. we decided to, as opposed to letting the horrible, depressing, sad nature of this crush us, mm -hmm. we decided to, and this goes into 
my improv training, everything with it of just, we decided to just lean into it and accept what was happening mm -hmm. and make the best out of it. Right. And one of the ways we did that was that we decided to give ourselves something to look forward to, which was this end of her life party. Right. Where, go ahead. Okay, I, I'm, I'm just cutting you off. I'm not cutting you off, I'm just interjecting here. Um, you said the, the improv training, but there's, the, which is great. And there's also that feeling, uh, I, for me the improv training is this. And this is, I think, the difference between my brother and me. The improv training is this, where you go, oh, that could be something we could do. Yeah. And my brother would go, that's morbid, and it shouldn't be done. I had a relative like that who tried to get in the way right. of that because of right. that mode of thinking. But, but, but the, the person who's host, hosting the party, which is really a good metaphor for life, the person that is hosting the party gets to call the shots of what that party is. The person who is living their life gets to call the shots of what that life is li exactly. that they're living. So for me, I think it's an interesting thing, and here's your upbeat bumper sticker for the other side of the car, is um, have, live the party that you want to live. Yeah. You know? Uh, and what she's doing is she's hosting the party that she wants to to uh, to end that chapter of her existence, if, yeah. we, if we know it or not. Uh, but she's doing it on so many different levels. But you're also, the, the, the term leaning in, uh, the first time I heard it was this MSNBC thing. It was like, yeah. lean in, whatever that was, their advertisement, their bumper sticker. And... Um, I didn't really know what it meant, but now I now I get the feeling where you do lean you into something. You 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 go whole hog into it, um, even though you're going. What the fuck is what? Shouldn't I be doing this? Which is your past, and what is going to happen? Which is your future? And neither of those are now. So while you're leaning in, you're gerunding it. Yes. You know, it's 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 an ing thing. So you're doing it. You're leaning in. You're in the process of it. Because that's what it's all about. Yeah. And the and and the experience of and you'll get to this because you're 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 on you're on yeah. But you're unfolding. But but the event isn't the event. The event is the process of the event, which also in, includes the event. I I am nodding, which is why I'm silent in this moment. Uh, agreed. This is one of the biggest things that has ever happened to me, and one of the most life changing, eye opening things, just metaphors for life, and completely has changed me in my current AD since that time period. Mm -hmm. And Anno Domini? Yeah. Or artistic director? Uh, Anno Domini. Okay, good. Yeah. Is it I or E? Anno Domini. Domini. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've either. only read it. I don't know. I'm, Most of the people that wrote that way are probably gone. Probably gone. Yeah. yeah. 100 years old new people. It's so interesting, just <laughs> getting back to like, the idea of what was the last book written in Latin where somebody's going, oh, you know what, I got this book, and they wrote it during Latin times. He goes, I got this book, and um, I'll read your book, I'll read your book. And they get the book, he's like, really, you're still writing in Latin? Oof. Really? Come on. It's now, it's, it's the current uh, equivalent of writing in cursive. Really? Right. Writing cursive? You're writing cursive? Yeah. Really? Not even taught anymore. Right. It's not right. And in all honesty, it was, in my opinion, a useless form of writing in and of itself, of just learning the way of, I never was faster writing in cursive. There's something beautiful about, and, and the people that I know that have really beautiful handwriting are really like, wow, you got beautiful handwriting. Yeah. You know, my mom and my my mom has gorgeous handwriting, and you go, and then when you see that handwriting, because it's in cursive, it is that handwriting becomes them. Yeah. You know, like if you saw a letter delivered from your mom, you'd go, that's my mom's handwriting. Oh, I know what. It, yeah. That's my mom's handwriting. That's my mom. Yeah. And maybe it would be the same thing if you wrote in what, what's the other one? Cursive? Uh, or, is, uh, uh, stick figures? 
<laughs> cursive letters? Block letters? What would that block be? Letters? What's uh, the, what's the, uh, what's the uh, other one? Uh, not script. Uh, 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 um, I don't know. Curse, cursive. What's the opposite of curse? Blessage. Blessive. Blessive. So there's cursive and blessive. And blessive. Yes. Right. So if you're writing in blessive, which you, I do all the time, I, I know I do it all the time. Well, everything is in blessive. Mm-hmm. You know, you type in blessive. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and then if, you, if you're typing in cursive, it's hard to read. Oh, one expensive keyboard you bought. Well, but not just that, but if you know that writing font, where yeah. you're going, that's fucking hard to read. Yeah, it is. Let's be honest. Yeah. Write in blessive. Write in blessed. Don't write in cursive. There's our spiritual that, and that, that's uplifting a, that bumper sticker. side of the car. Yeah. So you're saying, uh, okay, let's get back to that. So uh, where the fuck? So I'm at home, uh, and we decided yeah. to lean into it. Lean and into it. the way we decide to lean into it to give us something mm-hmm. to look forward to is to plan this end of her life party. And you'll appreciate this. The impetus for that and the catalyst for that whole thing was a second city last night. That one of the things I loved about Second City and the thing that I looked forward to while I was there was my eventual last night. Right. Because I, I looked forward to that When event. you say you're quitting and what you, you're leaving Second City. You That's get, what that means. Yeah, you get a, uh, a final night where you do the regular two-act show and then at the end during the improv set it is now a best of you right. where you get to basically Tom Sawyer your own funeral where you get to have people come out and tell stories about you that you don't know what they're going to tell. Right. Then you do your best scenes and then you do freeze tag with everybody then you get a pie in the face and you right. have a speech and it is absolutely magical. It, done is, correctly it, and I have it on tape I too somebody fucking I've, yeah I have it on tape from the audience and from and I look at those people up there in the photograph and you must have a picture oh, yeah. of that too of you wearing wearing your pie and uh, uh, and you look at the people around you go I chose those people pretty much to be with me mm-hmm. the people I chose to go up and speak uh, in between each scene and introduce them uh-huh. uh were the best people to go up there and do it. Uh-huh. I absolutely loved it, and they gave what I hoped they would give, which were really funny stories that were really exclusive to the two of us. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And the audience is all there, knowing full well what the fuck is going on, and that. Well, for me, it was. Oh, for me too. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I lean forward simply out of the. I got thrown a curveball at the very end because my last show was, I think, December twenty second, two thousand three. Mm-hmm. So. It fell during the Christmas holidays, therefore sometimes two shows were added. Another show was added, so on my Monday night touring company show, what was supposed to be my last night, now we have an 11 o'clock, so my last night isn't going on until 12.30. Okay. At the earliest. Uh-huh, right, So right, there right, was that right. element, too, where it was, oh, I want to savor this, but uh, I'm so sorry, it's so late. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 But right. people still came, and that was uh, yeah. just another thing looking at it of, was a nice testament to, wow, they still came out this late. Yeah. Yeah. And in Chicago, there's also a different sentiment there, but there's also a very, it's like my last night at Second City, people are going to go to that. They're going to go to yeah. that. They're going to go event. to that. Yeah. yeah. I, that, that's really an important, I think that's such an interesting thing that not a lot of people talk about is the, that, tradition of, I love the, that tradition of the last night. There was one last night that was... Uh, some, I mean, even you would get it if you were even leaving a stage and going to another stage. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way it used to be. Second yeah. City Northwest in Arlington Heights or Hoffman Estates, wherever the fuck that was. Um, uh, 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 Sean uh, Masterson had his last night, and he had this this outfit on that he was wearing that was used in the show, and it was essentially uh, one of those heavy rubber gloves, okay. you know, that was that was uh, attached to a, a scuba ha- ha- head. Okay. You know what I mean? Like sure. you'd wear a wetsuit head mm-hmm. and then it was attached and it was a prop for uh, for him playing Chicken Man. Ding dong, Chicken Man. Okay. Okay, okay fine. So uh, his last night he got pied wearing that <coughs> and it was a cream pie. 
and that was on a Sunday, and we, the next show was on a Friday, and he didn't wash it off. And uh, I came in to take his part, and I was a smoker, so I didn't smell anything. I put it on, I walked past uh, <laughs> Claudia Smith Special and Fran Adams, and they both immediately got up and, 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 and just vomited. Ugh. It was one of the most awesome experiences I've ever had in my life. And a testament to smoking because it kills your olfactory oh, senses. Exactly. It's like, sorry, <laughs> I can take I know this. It. What just happened to you girls? <laughs> um, anyway, so your last night. So it was. So oh, this so event was predicated. Was uh, inspired by a last night. By that, that mm-hmm. uh, it's that cool thing of you get to see what people think of you when you are still able to see it, as opposed to afterwards when everyone outpours their feelings, but you're you're gone and you don't get to experience right. it. So um, let's just t- yeah. take a moment now. What is that about? What is because what? isn't that what is that about? Going, you get to see what it is that people say to you. I guess that's a celebration. But when we do it post mortem, mm-hmm. if you will, it's more of a gathering for the people that are there to celebrate you, as opposed to you being there. Yes, because it is necessary for the people who are. Let's well, let's go with the death. The people that are mourning that death need to have some sort of community. Need to have something where they can outlay their feelings because they're now going through a thing in our brains that. The mind must go through when it senses loss. Right. So there is that thing where people need that community to talk about that and talk about that person and uh, a lot of times canonize that person. Right. Uh, Certainly. um, But I always found it such a shame that the person being spoken of so highly and so beautifully of how they affected all these lives doesn't get to hear it. Right. So this ended up being this thing. So we planned this party where we were going to go all out. When Now, party. Yes. What's the definition of a party? Uh, it became just an all-encompassing term for it, but it was basically just uh, a celebration where she was the focus of the night, and we invited people from all through her life, from different generations, all from throughout the country, uh, to come to this thing. I had uh, friends from Second City, just heavy hitters, come down to help me that night. Who came down? Uh, T.J. Jagodowski, Lance Barber, Mark Warzeka, and Mike Dakota. Jesus, what a... Horrible group of people. Horrible group of men. Yes. The four horsemen. Uh, But it was cool. And one of the things they did, it was, uh, yeah, I love all those guys. Yeah, what uh, great, great guys. Oh. And one of the things that they came for specifically was to help me in case I, for quote unquote, fell during the show, in case I could not do it, in case this night overwhelmed me so much, they were there to support me and pick me up if I needed it. It was also a blessing that you gave to them. Uh, Yes. Uh, because then they became part of that which is it became part of their life yeah and it became part of their life in a way that they would never that what a rare thing you gave them you really gave them you and your mom what's your mom's name Patty Patty you and Patty gave them this rare thing uh, thing this event this seminal event in their lives because from that moment forward what's the one thing that happens to everybody we die what's the one thing that happens to everybody for the most part we watch that person yes die not just a person but also relationships die and pets die and all those things so we get to look at that Mm -hmm. and we get to celebrate it's an interesting thing because I think grief is one of the most awesome of emotions. In it's what just way? A, oh, it's it's the only combo emotion. Yeah. It's love and loss. Uh, uh, the price we pay for loving someone. Oh, wait. Grief is the price we pay for losing or for loving someone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
But, but that's what I mean. You know, for me, uh, my, my, you know, I don't have this experience. That I, I have yet to have this experience that you have, but I will. Uh, and um, when I, but what I do have is a passing of my dog. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's I knew huge. That my dog, I mean, yeah, and I knew that my dog was going to go. I knew that he was going to go. And then when he went, this lovely dog called Boyd, um, just saying his name, you go, you know, uh, this lovely dog called Boyd. When when we put him down, uh, I was just like like crying, but it wasn't fear cry. It wasn't uh, it wasn't disappointment cry. It was a love cry. Mm -hmm. It was a love cry, and to go, why am I so? I know I'm so upset, but what is this feeling? Oh, it's that deep, warm love, and it's loss, and it's combined. You know what I mean? I do, I do. I, I'm smiling because it's just uh, I kept track of everything while I was at home. Mm -hmm. My mother was a former English teacher, and I was brought up with words and literature and mm -hmm. stories, and you keep track of things. And uh, I journaled every bit of this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I would do is I would write down the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I noticed about myself was that my body had to release. And I started to do basically a Holly Hunter and broadcast news every day where mm -hmm. I would go off by myself and just let out the day. Right. And I had to get that out. But it was such a release, such a... A necessary thing that my body needed to do but it wasn't all sadness no sometimes it was just there was a lot of beauty that went on oh my god the fact that your friends are there yeah you friends. know that they were they were part of the I mean that oh it was huge. you know community and community and community community and the coolest thing about it one of those other fun things too was that mm -hmm. when I asked those guys to do it without hesitation all four of them said yes right that was the coolest part to me because I was scared to call them and say can you come to Florida and help me with this thing. And I was so, it was like I was asking someone out for the first time in many years, yeah, like, oh, right. they're going to say no. But the immediacy of that was just absolutely so uplifting. And to this day, I mean, I hold all of those men in such high regard. It's, it's, I got a phone call. I'm going to be very careful about this. I got a phone call from a relative mm -hmm. saying that their child, uh, who lives in L.A., um, had an incident and cut them, hurt themselves okay. intentionally. And they live in another city far away. And would I go and bring her to my apartment and watch her and then in the next day take her to the airport and get her on a plane? And I thought, and they kept saying, oh, this is, kind of, this is really hard to do and I'm so sorry and all that and I thought, this is what I thought because it's that lean in thing where yeah. you go, oh, I have no idea what this is going to be like. Yeah, I'll do that. And then every moment you're going, I'm doing this right now. This is what's happening right now. And she's an awesome human. Yeah. She's really great. But the fact is you go, somebody has asked me to do this thing and it was hard for them to ask me to do this thing. And you know it's hard for them to ask you to do this thing because they're not just going, hey, Kevin, listen, uh, can I borrow your car? Which is a hard thing to do already, but it's like, hey, Kevin, can you do this? Can you lend me a paper bag? Um, like a, any yeah, of that. Yeah, there's like a flippancy to that. The, exactly. But if there's something with some gravitas to it, like what you just described, has some gravitas yeah. to it, where that you are helping when someone else needs it, and sometimes there's something very fulfilling about that oh, as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and you know uh, the idea of how do we pay you and all that stuff, like not, it's like, don't you did it was repaid in the act. It was repaid in you. You paid me by asking me. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, I like being trusted. I like being entrusted with things. Because it, so that kind of stuff. Like I, 
sometimes maybe even to a fault. I say yes a lot to mm -hmm. things because I have a thing with a buddy of mine that we have this joke back and forth that if anything ever unusual comes up, we have to make the decision that we choose the story. Ye oh, that's great. That is absolutely great. What's the thing that's going to make the better story? Right. And to live your life that way yeah. and saying, well, you know, this would be a good story, but I don't know. But it is about the story. Yeah. It is, but it, it see, you're, <laughs> it's such an interesting thing because you're going, okay, this experience that I'm going to have is, I know that you're not saying this, but, it's, but this is part of it. Certainly, this experience that I'm going to have is going to have a product at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what you're doing is you're leaping over the experience instead of going, I am going to experience this thing. Oh, and by the way, there's going to be a story at the end of it. Something's going to happen that's going to be unusual and different that will pay off the beginning of me doing nothing. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, exactly. Um, and, and so here's, this, this adds another thing to this. Um, my car, I never, I never drive to Second City. Uh, this is the, the, the day that they asked me. Mm -hmm. I, I usually take an Uber to Second City, and then I walk back home. It's about an hour walk home through beautiful Hollywood Boulevard. Of course, it was and, lovely. You know, it's like, that's lovely. awesome. And, uh, and, and, uh, and this time, because they wanted me to pick her up, I had to drive. So I drove, and I don't usually park on Sunday nights. So I, on Sunday, so I parked, and I get back to my car, and it's gone. Oh, this story took a turn. Yeah, it's gone. It's one of the things that I go, oh, my car's gone. I bet it was towed. And this, that's the attitude. That's the tone. I bet it was towed. All right, let's go get my car. <laughs> but it wasn't like, fuck my car. Because I'm going, this is going to be an adventure. I am going to have this adventure. There is going to be a story. But, and I didn't think of the story, but I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Because it's, it's like, this is, what is it going to be like? Yeah. And it's like, okay, got, got it. They said, call 311 to get your car. I called. They went, this line is, we don't work now. We're hearing a recording. We're I'm like, that's Sunday. awesome. Yeah. And then go online and figure it out. And then I go, they tell me where it is. It's in Hollywood. And I get an Uber to pick me up uh, right there. And it's really, it's close. And I get in the Uber, and it's not three minutes into the Uber that the driver just lets out a fart. No oh boy. And it was, it, the, it's like, fuck. What, you know, there's that, so there's that story, then getting to the tow yard, and Kevin, they were lovely. Yeah? It's crazy, because the guy comes in and goes, got your car towed, and we're going to get you out of here, have a seat. I mean, literally, that's like, we're going to get you out of here, have a seat, um, I'm going to talk to the guy, see, you know, the cashier. Um, cashier's here. Hi. So sorry, you know, yeah, yeah, that. It's like, okay, here's your car. Yeah, and boom. Will that run you that day? It was only $350. That's I love, all. I love that you've put a, uh, just a very nice only. It was only $350. Yeah. That was, but in that, that was a $350 story. Yeah. Now, here's what happened. The next day, I have a uh, coaching session <coughs> uh, with these two people. Uh, this couple, these two women, awesome women from San Francisco. They come by and they go, oh, we decided that we want to work with you more. So they wrote me a check for $350. <laughs> That's awesome. Because again, you go, that happened. And the experience of, the experience of going, oh, this is so frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, this could be frustrating. Or take, do the thing that gets the story. Yeah. Sometimes it, I'm jumping ahead. Okay. But one of the cool things, so three years after this big party for my mother and all these things that go down. She passed like eight months later. Five. Five months Once later. Once I arrived home, it was five. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get to it naturally. 
because uh, we'll make an actual callback okay. to this oh, moment right, right here. Go ahead. Um, so we plan this party, and then I'm sorry, that was a spoiler alert. I should have said spoiler alert. She died by then, you know. Oh no, I, I thought everyone, uh, we had oh. let it up. We had set it up so far that she's still <laughs> no. living. I'll fix it in post. Fix uh, it in post. I, uh, I, I have a spoiler alert app that uh, I run the podcast through. Great, That's great, great app. Uh, perfect four ninety nine expenditure. Best forty nine 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 I ever spent. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, so this party, basically, uh, the, the coolest thing, the long and short of it is, it was an absolutely magical event. And one of the very cool things is when she entered the room, the entire room just stands up for her and she gets a standing ovation. Uh, I go up and I do this entire... Was she uh, able to walk? She was not. Uh-huh. And just in... So, she, so, so you wheeled her in? Uh, my uncle wheeled her in, so the procession coming in was, I burst in, and I announced, ladies and gentlemen, how many people in the audience? Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, there were 110 people. Okay, fine. Uh, and I come in, I announce Patty McGeehan. Uh, she enters, my uncle wheels her in, the place just goes wild, everybody stands on their feet. Uh, and Is it on video? Is this on video? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, as he wheels her in, he gets her to a point, just kind of in the center of the room, where everything, uh, everybody can look at her, and she can uh, take it all in. And then I jump up on stage to start the proceedings. How do you get the energy? Well, I'm, I'm slowing you down here, man. How do you get the energy where you're looking at going, just breathe through this, Kevin, just breathe through this, breathe through this? Because I would look at that and go, and not, and, and not from anything other than an outpouring of love to watch my mom being taken care of by a hundred and more than a hundred people and going, huh? And, and like you, you have the energy, you have the, you have the, the, the energy of the drive to go, okay, I got to get up on stage instead of going, this is beautiful. It was practiced to get to that point. Uh huh. One of the coolest things, and I'll use this uh, as a springboard in, but. I looked at that night, and I looked at it that night as much as I look at it now in retrospect, as everything that I had done in my life leading up to that moment was for this moment. Right. My years at Second City, all my years of performing, all my years of going in front of different types of audiences, uh, dealing with adversity in the sense of an audience doesn't want to say, all these different things that now I found myself in this culmination moment of this is a show that is literally life and death. And... It has to go on. It's it's interesting because it it's not it's one of those things where you go it's a show. What how'd you say about life and death? A show that was literally life and death. It, the show was literally life and death, but it's not the phrase. It's a show that's a matter of life and death. Right. It is a matter of life and death, but less than that. Yeah. And more than that as well is it's a show of life and death. Because it. Because we didn't know if she was going to make it. Right. This wheelchair thing was a brand new situation that happened maybe a few days earlier. Uh-huh. That she, she just kept progressively getting worse. Right. And then after this party, she dies eight days later. Dude. I mean, the timing of it. I mean, we chose this date three months prior. So it was right. just this arbitrary date mm. that was going to be six months to the day of her diagnosis. Right. So she make, of six months to a year, she makes it eight days after the six-month initial period. So... Uh, we got it in under the wire, which is what I used to say is that I'm going to give you the part of your life and I'm going to get it in just under the wire. It's so interesting because a friend of mine, my friend Al, his sister, Barb, died down in Florida. Maybe that's not a good place to live. <laughs> um, uh, young woman, maybe 60. Um, her daughter was pregnant and the, the birth was around the time that that Barb was going. Yeah. And Barb, the child was born, and then four days later, Barb died. 
but she fucking held the fuck on. Yeah. Because isn't that what it is? Yeah. People hold on. If there's something to look forward to, people will hold on. It's people interesting. will hold on. And, yeah. and, and, and if that thing is Carlos is coming, mm-hmm. I have to stick around for Carlos. On the day she died, uh, she was in a hospice uh, center. and Hospice. Uh, hospice, yeah. Uh, but she was actually at the place. It wasn't them coming to the home. Got it. She Got was it. in a hospice center. So uh, yes. um, I had gone out that day just to... I had to be out of there just for a couple hours just uh, to go eat lunch and just do something when just kind of regroup myself. And then I came back a few hours later and the nurses said, you need to come in now. Right. She's been waiting for you. Wow, wow. And then once I was there, then she could let go. Right. Yeah. Right. It was, uh, it was interesting just to see. It's, it's interesting for me, and, and I go back to, to this, and again, you, you, you've experienced it on a human level. I've experienced it on a pet level. But something, yeah. Yeah, where you're going, where you do this, you look, at, again, I'm gonna use my, use a, I didn't, I didn't watch Boyd uh, be put down, but I did watch my other dog, Shira, be put down. And you, you're there, you're looking at this animal. In this case, the doctors gave gave Shira an injection of awesomeness, uh, an, an injection of passage to the next level in a syringe. AKA and, awesomeness. Uh, what's that? <laughs> AKA awesomeness, to go right, back to your right, original right. word. So awesomeness, so uh, a syringe of awesomeness, and gave the dog that, and then uh, we watched the dog, uh, my friend Tamara and I, watched the dog have his last, have her last breath, and then I looked, I hugged Shira, I looked at the, the nurse in there, or the doctor rather, in there, and she was looking at us. And then I turned and I looked at the dog and I went, oh, that's not my dog. That's, that's just sh- what my dog wore. Mm-hmm. That's just a shell. It's just a shell. <laughs> and when you see that happen, you certainly as an actor or an improviser, you really understand at that, you understand at a deeper level what spirit drives us to do what it is that we do and that we are the representation, we are, we are emotion delivery systems. We are spiritual emotional delivery systems. So wherever I am on stage, I am there to convey something. I am using my body to be in communion with that place in that, on that stage. And that's why it's so vital for, well, I'm gonna say improvisers, actors, to be tuned to you're sitting like that, crossed, ankled. You've got your arm like that. You've, you're, you've got the gesture where you're having your finger on your lips and you're, you're nodding. Mm-hmm. And I'm mindful of all that because that's what your spirit told you to do. And so when you do something differently, I get to be connected to you having changed that because your spirit told you to do that. So I'm listening on a level that is now not about just what is Kevin saying to me, mm-hmm. But what, not, what, is, what is Kevin Orly saying to me? What is he communicating what is, to what me? What is communicating to me through his costume, through the shell, his costume that he's using in this lifetime? Does that make sense? It does. And I am sitting cross-ankled because I am a dainty lady. You are a dainty lady. <laughs> and that's it right there. Where you go, where if I'm, if I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm going to look at that and I'm going, Kevin is using that. But I think that... Again, there's that thing where when the spirit of a dog, when the spirit of a living creature leaves, we get to look at that and go, oh, wow, spirit has so much to do 
with everything that we're doing, mm -hmm. the spirit being, not spirit, yay, but spirit being right. what that spirituality that drives us, that love that drives us, that, that curiosity that drives us, that, that pause that stops us, that, un, that, that Holly Hunter moment from broadcast news that lets us purge, because when we purge, we, get, we have more room to fill, mm -hmm. you know, and to purposefully take those moments wherever they're going to be. Because they're, they're telling us when they're ready, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like getting up in the middle of the night when you're sick. Yeah. And going, your body's going, ah, uh, dude. Got a couple of things I want to talk about. This ain't good. Just, so you, just let's get it on the table. This ain't yeah. good right now. Right. What's happening? You've got a couple of choices. Yeah. You can either stay here, go back to sleep, which I don't think you're going to be able to do, and maybe chuck in your vomit in the middle of the night. Yeah. Or you can get up and then say what, see what you're going to do. Yeah. And if you decide to go back to bed, uh, look up Mama Cass <laughs> before you do, just to see what happens when you vomit on exactly, your own. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So this, this, whatever. I think also, um, someone else did that. I think maybe Jim Morrison did that. That was a 70s way to go. Yeah. 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 Was that, was that line in, in, in uh, Spinal Tap, like you can't fingerprint vomit? He died on vomit. <laughs> and I think they said, oh, who's, they never knew whose vomit it was. You can't, can't fingerprint vomit. vomit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I think that's what it was. But anyway, let's yeah. go back to. <laughs> so, party concludes, and it's one of those magical moments of my life. Uh, it's huge. Uh, fantastic. I've kept track of everything. And one of the things I did a few weeks before she died was that in a moment of heightened emotion, I said to her as I was holding her hand as she was lying on her bed and I was sitting in the rocking chair next to her, I said, everything that we have gone through will not be in vain, that I will tell our story to whoever will listen. Right. And for whatever reason, that sentence and that moment has stood out to me now in the eight years since it has happened. And I have gone through a progression where I tell this story to whoever will listen because to me, it is one of those really cool things to see this very, this diminutive, mild-mannered woman just walk right into her destiny or fate and do it with strength and with her head held high right. because her main want and the thing that she confessed to me one night was that she did not want people feeling sorry for her. Right. That this was just something that was happening right. and she didn't want to be treated differently because of just what was happening which would make her feel worse. So this thing was more of an empowerment moment than it, and it was, fa it was fantastic. Go ahead. So... I start trying to figure out how to tell this story where it's not me, hey, can I bend your ear about when my mama died? Right. So it was just finding a structure for that and finding something in which it can be accessible to people. So then, and here's where the natural callback from earlier comes in. Three years after I am with her, I had just signed off of another cruise ship. I had done the final cruise ship I was going to do uh, just as a way to kind of fulfill the end of my grieving. I get off the ship, I'm excited, so, uh, everything is coming up again at this point. Uh -huh. And then as I get off, I am busted by customs because I have marijuana on me. Uh -huh. I am taken to a back room, I'm searched. Uh -huh. uh, the long and short of this is that one of the customs agent men who threatened my imminent incarceration went through my backpack, found my journal from that time period of 2006, uh -huh. began to audaciously read it, found something that stood out to him, asked me, what is this? I told him what it was. It was the journal I kept in the five months I lived with my mother right before she died, but everything worked out okay because we gave her a party. And he responds, was it cancer? I said, yeah, it was my grandmother just died of cancer. Then suddenly we are now 
human beings to each other, and he makes it his goal to get me released without charges, and I'm able to go forth, and now here's the structure in which I tell this story, which is I tell it in the sense of me getting busted at customs, that this is the bookend, that it's not a story of me telling you about when my mama died. No. It's the story of when I was busted at customs and I had the proverbial gun to my head and had to tell this guy the story of when my mama died. Now, here's the natural callback. That customs day cost me $500 in fines. Mm-hmm. It's a $500 story that has paid off innumerably <laughs> since. <laughs> right, right. It's never about the money. Yeah. Um, I still have so- the receipt. I made a, uh, made a photocopy of the receipt right. just as my, here's your $500 story. Now you got to. It, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so much in there. Uh, I want to say, I want to go back to, I love the ending, and I'm going to go back to that too. Um, I want to go back to what your mom said she doesn't want to, what your mom said she didn't want anybody to feel sorry for her. Yes. And that's such an interesting thing because I don't know, if I were in that, it would not be about someone feeling sorry for me, which I understand that. Sure. I totally understand that. It's more along the lines of, I can't take care of myself. I don't want to take care of you. Yeah. I don't want to take care of your looking at me. I don't want to calm you down. I don't have the energy yeah. to do that. Yeah. And so I understand what she's saying. I totally understand. Yeah. It. And because I go, okay, it's yes, it's about people feeling sorry for it. But what's at the other side of that is if you tell me that you feel sorry for me or if you feel sorry for me, now I fucking have to take care of your feelings. And I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Um, now. I can't do that now. Yeah. I'm unable to do that now. Also, another thing that you said about <laughs> there's so much to go back to. I'm so glad that I uh, I don't I don't have a drinking problem in the morning. Um, <laughs> is the where you're saying everything that you ever learned got you to this day, mm-hmm. or was uh, was huge. I mean, it was prepped you for that day. It was my Eminem lose yourself moment where I had yeah. I had. This was it. it. This was the big one. It just reminded me. It reminds me of uh, of a Robert Hunter Grateful Dead song. Uh, uh, the line is: uh, "Is it strange how uh, look here? Uh, isn't it strange how everything leads up to this day? And it's just like any other day that's ever been. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. And it's that feeling. It is just an. It, it is a day. Mm-hmm. But what also happens is, as every moment of our lives is, it's an amalgamation, an aggregate of, an amalgamation of." everything and so everything in every moment informs you how to deal with that moment but for you it was so fucking crystallized because it was about life and death yes and when we look at it in that way we go wow there's gravity in every fucking thing that we're doing and we don't know it until later yeah yeah it's it was an interesting. It was such a big time period for me. I mean, even eight years later, I still can talk about it with the same enthusiasm. Oh, I know. Because it's still just you. You put, the first time I heard the story. Do you remember where, I, where we were? When you told me the story? No, remind me. Uh, I'm sure it'll come to me when you do. We were at a laundromat. Yes, we were in the laundromat. We were in the laundromat. Marina. I bumped yes. into you at the laundromat in, in Silver Lake. Yes. And you told me the story, and you were like, uh, "That." So again, it's you told me that you're going to tell everybody. Yep. And you told me that story. Uh, Lance Barber, one of the guys who came and uh-huh. helped me, uh, he and I have a joke, which is I can find any way to naturally progress into this story. <laughs> because it affects every emotion, everything. There's anything oh, yeah. you can tie back to it. But 
Uh, well, there's there is like all roads lead, lead to Rome. Uh, okay, so you've got uh, you've got Florida. I'm just going. I'm going big. You've got Florida. You've got Cancer. You've got pot. You've got cruise ship. You've got water. You've got vacation. You've got friends. You've got second city. These are all roads leading into it, mm -hmm. and that's just ten. Yeah, I'm just saying it's ten. I don't know that it is ten. <laughs> uh, I'll go with your math. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I. I'm having a big. I'm about to have a very big moment happen, which I'm very excited about, which is the fulfillment yeah. of a goal that I started five years ago. I think Laura told me about it. She may have. Yeah. The, uh, I'm a, <laughs> if all goes according to uh, an email that I received a couple of months ago, uh -huh. that I told this story. Uh, so the moth. Uh, do you know the moth? Yes. Great. Much. Uh, storytelling show that goes all around the country. Um, I wanted to be on their show. I thought this would be a really it's cool. It's also a podcast. Also a podcast and a radio, and a radio hour. Show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but one of the things they get, they get their material a lot of times from their live moth events, which travel around the country, and they all hire storytellers to come in and tell big stories. Do they hire them? Yeah. They hire them. They yeah, because they, they started paying me to okay. do it, and uh, you get raises each time you do it. Uh -huh. uh, it's neat. It's a great thing. And once you have the work done from the first time, then it's now they're paying you more for the work you've already done. Previously. When you say the work done, what do you mean is the crafting of the story? The crafting of the, the story. story. Uh, and and I just, I'm going to oh, please. take a little side thing there, like the idea of how many times have we told a story, and then those of us who tell stories very well can go, you know what, next time I tell that story, I'm going to emphasize that word, or I'm going mm -hmm. to start the story later, or I'm going to start the story earlier. And we learn how to do that because we are, as everyone is, a storyteller. Yeah. Uh, I think the human brain is naturally conditioned that if a story is told well, we have to know the ending. We need to know how it all turns out. Uh -huh. We're, we can be disappointed. Like we, we are in conversation with people who are not that great at storytelling, and it usually revolves around they are either recounting memories or they only have a beginning and a middle. There's right. no resolution to it. Right. Um, and that's the times when it kind of can meander and they're kind of looking for an ending. Do you think, because <laughs> I was thinking about the last time a story was told but it didn't have an ending, it was the movie Boyhood. Yeah. But in the movie Boyhood, the ending is where it ended. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of talks about this and a lot of uh, rumination about this of just when in our lives do we consider something complete that it is now a story? And the thing that I've kind of landed on, at least for me, is that it is a story when I am no longer negatively affected by it emotionally. When I am no longer angry about this or anything like that. It's simply just, the way I refer to it is, uh, if I can be an outside observer telling a story where I just so happen to be a main character. That it's me <laughs> looking back on a version of me uh -huh. telling this so I can have uh, perspective on it and I can kind of make fun of myself within it just because it's not me anymore. Okay, I want to just go back because yeah. this is really an important, that's an important point. A story becomes, you're saying the story is end, the story is complete and tellable, if that's a phrase. Sure. The story is complete and tellable when you no longer have a negative feeling about anything that happened within that story. I had a breakup with a woman uh, that I dated for about three years. I think you told me about that. I may have. Yeah. Um, and I'll keep the details pretty, mm -hmm. pretty close to my vest right now. But, yeah. But for the most part, it ended poorly. Mm -hmm. And I was so angry about it and so upset about it, but within that, in my obsession and my weird thing, we're all going through a terrible breakup and uh, we do things that we aren't necessarily proud of. One of mine was I started digging deep and started looking for things that could have caused this and I discovered some things that were hurtful. That happened to you or happened that, that were... That some infidelities. I got it. Some infidelities. Got it. I yeah. discovered that. and uh, So 
some post-breakup discoveries of infidelities during the relationship. So it just had that. Mm-hmm. So it had an even hurtful thing that I even went down a more hurtful path mm-hmm. because you now I was it. in. I needed it. Yeah. I needed to do it. But something I discovered something and I was able to start telling this like this cool story started to emerge just because of my way my quote unquote investigation began that the way I discovered I found this telling of this that was very funny and I told my uh, friend Mark Warzeka I sat him down uh, for uh, lunch one day to say I want to tell you this because he's the guy I always go to mm-hmm. he is my if I'm ever going to do anything I run it by him first yes. so I was running it by him and I told him it and uh, he was thrilled by it and at the end of it, he said, you have to make me a promise that you will never do that on stage for at least a year. You will never do... That particular story that you it. just told me on stage for at least a year because you're still very angry about it. Oh, wow! And he was absolutely right. And yeah. I did not disagree with him where that wasn't a revelation. It was, you're absolutely right. And I've upheld that promise. Yes. So it's that... So to me, now, that no longer negatively affects me. Yes. I'm now friends with her again. I have forgiven that. There are things where that, that time period is over, and now I can tell it in a way where I'm not angry anymore. Right. It's simply, you want to hear a cool story. Yes. And I just so happen to be one of the main characters. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I have an ex-girlfriend, my, uh, my ex-girlfriend, Jen Winters, and we went through a really tough breakup, mostly my fault. Um, you know, I, and I played a big hand in mine. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, of course. But you got to look at it and you go, okay, I, my sister used to have this button that says no one is innocent, which I thought it was an awesome button. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I totally agree with that, but when I need it, I agree with it. Um, and uh, this relationship that I had with Jen was just so, it affected me every morning once we broke up and I was so upset. And I, lived, I, I woke up with the dread and I went to bed with the dread and I woke up in the middle of the night with the dread. And then one day it wasn't there. And then one day I saw her after not seeing her for so long, and we both hugged each other and cried at each other and went, "Let's." I, I said, "I am so sorry. I am so sorry." And now I look and I go, "That is an awesome fucking person." And mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I, I had to go through what I had to go through, and it was a long time. It was a couple of years. Me too. And you have to go through that, and then there's a, "What are we doing here?" But it goes back to leaning in, leaning in. Mm-hmm. It's such a lovely theme um, because if we don't lean in, if we lean out or we back out, it's like it, it doesn't make it go away. Right. It puts it there. And it's sort of when I'm teaching uh, viewpoints and we're talking about soft focus and just being tabla rasa and being quiet and just letting everything go. And then when I, and so I just go, okay, listen to the silence and people listen to the silence. And I go, okay, now let's, let's put the sounds that are around us upon that silence. And then I'll say, okay, who heard a noise? And someone went, that fan overhead was a noise. I'm like, what makes it a noise? Well, because I don't want it here. So when you call it a noise, does it make it go away? No, it doesn't make it go away. Right? As a matter of fact, right now, you're putting an awesome spotlight on it, and it gets to have its own special package called noise. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we've got to go, because when you hear a siren going by, is that noise? It's like, yeah, that's noise. What if the siren was coming by to pick up a loved one. Or you. Yes. It'd be relief. Right. Yeah. You know, to look at that and go, what is it that I am adding? What is it that I'm putting onto this event, whether it's a sound or whether it's an emotional thing, that I, I can't do, I can't, I, I can't codify that right now. Mm-hmm. I want to, but I'm going to sit back and go, okay. Boy, there's a lot of stories with moms. Yeah. 
Uh, I'll t- I, there's a story with my friend Brian Blondell, which I, I've told a million times on this podcast, but I'm not going to tell it now. But it's that thing of going, uh, but I love going back to this. You tell a story when you are no longer negatively in, emotionally impacted by it. That's when those are the best. That's when the stories are the best. Right. Because we can go along with you. One of the things, just in many years of storytelling now, that I've found you cannot be the hero or the victim. Right. You've got to find a middle ground in between those two. Right. The, the stories where someone is just telling, here's a, here's a story of how awesome I am. Those bore me because they are just fraught with hyperbole. Absolutely. And, and lies. And lies. And just, I mean, the, the victimization of yourself, like, it's to feel sorry for me. Uh, of all the stories, the best ones are when you're right in that middle where, yeah, that's, those to me are the, my favorite ones. Yeah, it isn't good. Oh, no, to, uh, to go back to what we were saying about so now doing the moth, I went and did, they hired me to come in and they helped me craft this 15-minute version of that story, which what, is absolutely they had, beautiful. They had a director work with you or a producer? Yeah, a producer worked with me. Uh-huh. Who, who also was producer? Was a woman named Maggie Sino. Uh-huh. Uh, she's one of the producers. Uh, they have a handful of them in New York. I mean, it's a big operation. Yeah, yeah. It's neat. It's really cool what they do. And, um, and, and it was one of those things where I wanted to tell this to whoever would listen. And this was one of those things where I made a goal for myself. I want to be on this show because I was inspired by a guy named Mike Birbiglia. Who's, yeah, yeah. Who sleepwalked with me the first time he ever did it was at a moth. Yeah. And the first time I ever did the story of this was at a moth. And to me, the beautiful parallels of this. Yes. So as I'm... I love coincidences, and I love symbolism, and I love looking for stuff. So as I'm going to Austin for what is about to be the biggest show that I've ever done solo. Where in Austin? Uh, the Paramount Theater. Okay. Oh, God, I love that place. Yeah. Yeah. 1,200-seat venue. Oh, and it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, packed yeah. to the gills. Yeah. It, was, uh, yeah. it was SRO yeah. that night, and I was amazed mm-hmm. that all these people had come to see it. Right. And there were five of us that were hired to come in and tell stories. And when I went... Wait, I'm sorry. Oh, please. Who were they? Do you remember? Any of them? Uh... A man named Shannon Kaysen, uh, a woman named Nora, and then the other names elude me in this, okay, fine, in this moment. Fine, fine. Uh, the first one I did, Molly Ringwald was one, uh-huh. ended with me, and that was interesting. Lovely. Yeah. But, uh, so with this one... Is she still a ginger? Yes, but it has been... She's gone through different changes Got of... It. Yeah, okay, uh, different shades and such, but yeah, okay, she looks exactly the same. Got it. Um, and she was very nice, and it was very weird when I first went into the rehearsal, because all I knew on the email chain was that there was going to be someone in the cast named Molly Molinette. So when I arrive for this, re- this, uh, this rehearsal where we're all going to get together and do it for the producer, uh, this, the woman Molly Molinette shows up late. So at, when she walks in, I have a moment of, oh my God, you're Molly Ringwald. <laughs> uh, so anyway, going back to, uh, you, like, you love coincidences and symbolism. Can I tell a quick thing just yeah, on the Molly Ringwald part? Yeah. Because uh, this, this always struck me so very funny. The two main things that really stood out to me with her were the, I, when I am nervous, I will sweat under my arms. Mm-hmm. It'll just pour out. Uh-huh. And I can't control it a lot of times if I'm really nervous. So the night... Another of, broadcast news thing. Another broadcast news thing. <laughs> uh, I'm Albert Brooks. Yeah. I'm Albert Brooks and Holly Hunter put together. <laughs> uh, so right before I'm about to go out, I am backstage kind of pacing. I have my suit jacket on. And then uh, as I'm going out, uh, I realize, I look down and have this horrible realization of, I just sweated through my suit jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I go, and I'm slated to go second in the show, and I go out to my seat right next to 
former 80s icon Molly Ringwald, right. and I'm sitting next to her, and I take my jacket off, and I have a ton of paper towels, and using heat and friction, I blow onto my underarm uh, with the jacket and start uh -huh, scrubbing uh -huh, as fast uh -huh. as I can, and then 80s icon Molly Ringwald turns to me and says, what are you doing? And I say, hey, in all honesty, I sweated through my jacket. So now I'm scrubbing it so very hard, uh, trying to get this out, and the first storyteller finally ends, and I'm going out, and the, the whole house is dark, so I can't see what the results are of my work. So as I'm going up, I put my jacket on, and in the light, I raise up my arm, and I see, oh, you did it. You dried it. Because the only thing I could think that if I was going up there and telling a story, and I was watch if I was watching somebody tell a story up on stage, and they had sweated through their suit jacket, that's all I'm going to be paying right, attention right, to. Right, right, so right, I get right. up on stage, I am dry. Right. And I get up there and I tell it, and I just, I tell it. It was a beautiful moment. It was uh -huh. really wonderful. And then as I'm walking off the stage, the host walks by me and says, oh my God, man, you killed it. And I, just, I go back and I'm just absolutely thrilled. And I sit down and it was so fun to go from Molly Ringwald looking at me with a moment of, you sweated through your suit jacket to going back to her just bawling and giving me this huge motherly hug right. as I go back in the seat. And it was just this cool little yeah. arc yeah. for my it, mom. Yeah, and, and it, there's so much in that story, the idea of <laughs> the, 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 like what we're noticing, what we're judging, what, what, we're, what we're noticing, what we're judging, what we surrender, what we note and how we're moved and how... Again, there's your story. There's mm -hmm. your story. And that she hugged you. How lovely. It was lovely. Again, that doesn't make you the hero. That doesn't make you the victim. That just puts you in the middle of this lovely thing. It was just a resolution. It was just a right. nice... Because right. it did not look like I was going to be successful in this, right. in this venture because I had pitted myself out through right. three layers of clothing. God damn it. So what's the lesson there? Don't wear your suit jacket? Uh, here's one lesson that I got from it. That because my only task at hand for the first storyteller was to make sure that I got this dry, uh -huh, uh -huh. I was not in my head, getting right. in my head, thinking about, okay, you're going to say this, you got to say this next. Oh, God, you just forgot that. Are you going to forget that on stage? So I wasn't able to psych myself Do out. Do you really think that you would have forgotten any of those things? I, I could have psyched myself out to forget them, just overthought it. Do you really do that? There are times. Really? There are times I'll walk but off there, with, but, but that's not most times. Yeah. I just didn't want it to be this time. Got it. And here's another thing. You're not in control of any of that, but yeah. it's okay. Because yeah. what you did was you did distract yourself in that, but you could have gone, oh, my God, I'm so glad I did that, and then dwell on that, but you didn't do that either. Yeah. So let's go, let's so go, go to... So we jump ahead to the Austin performance, which uh, right. uh, was 1,200 people. Uh, and one of the, my favorite memories is, watching, is looking out into an audience and seeing 2,400 eyes completely just on me, right. just engaged in the story. Okay. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. That is so fucking important mm -hmm. that when we go on stage to just stop and take it the fuck in in a way where we're just taking it in. Oh. We're not taking it in and then weighing it. It was such a beautiful 16 and a half minutes as I was up there. But that, I'm talking about that initial moment oh, yeah, before yeah. fucking anything started where you stand up there and you go and then, t and then say what you're going to say. Like that moment there where you go, everything is fucking perfect right now. Yeah. And how many people, when they're on stage, it's something that we do because we're, we're mindful of it, but how many people, when they get on stage, don't take that initial moment of going, I've landed. I'm here. This is where I am. I was given a note one time that has stuck with me that anytime I tell a story, a solo story, that don't just leap into it. Right. That go up there and take a breath, take an audible breath. Right. 
and then go into it. Right. And you can hear on a lot of, if you ever hear a recording of me telling a story, at the very beginning there will be just a small breath before I begin. I just got this deja vu that you and I have talked about this before. Maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that breath, now think about it, I mean the word breath is basically spirit. Mm-hmm. So in that moment you're taking in the spirit of what it is that you're saying. That breath is filling you up. We go back to the idea of spirit, of taking that in. Yeah. So now this Austin recording that they did, if an email that I received a couple months ago is accurate, that they're going to put it out on their radio hour in April. So now a big fulfillment of a promise is about to happen. And I'm looking forward to this, that of telling the story to whoever will listen. Uh-huh. I'm about to make a big number jump with this of people who have listened to it just uh-huh. because it's about to be on their show. Uh-huh. And I'm so excited for that. Yeah. It's neat. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's a fun little back goal that I have that it's just this thing where, I don't know, I don't want to tout it too much, but I, I feel it's a truly important story and a story worth telling and a story worth hearing. Is it the story that you told? Is yeah. It, is, the, it, is it Bon Voyage story? Yeah, yeah. It's that, but it's a 15-minute version of it. Uh-huh. It's a just, it's concise to the point. And one of the things the moth makes you do is they make you dig deep. And they want you to be as vulnerable as possible. And vulnerability in the strength element, not in the weakness element, but just in the... The, the courage thing, to... The courage to just To bear yourself. Yeah. That we all go through this stuff. It's, once again, not making yourself the hero. It's the... Because one of the things they wanted me to go into was the fact that I wanted to run away. In the five months I was living there, it wasn't this trumpet. When I first got home, it was the, the trumpets heralding my my return, but then the trumpets fade and then there's a day to day. And there were times I wanted to get back to my life so much that I hated the fact that I now had to take this turn and now this is what I have to do now and my Chicago time is over and now what was this? But I wanted to leave and that was the, that party ended up being such a gift to both of us because it gave me a focus and it gave me something to do as opposed to lamenting what I no longer had. It's, we get to lament what we no longer have and at the same time we then get to embrace that which we got from that which we no longer have. Yeah. And the coolest thing about this, uh, one of the things my father told me one time, I love this quote that he said, that after I first performed the show, I have an hour-long version of that story and the first time I did it, I sent him a copy of it and it was a... Was he part of this at oh, all? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. They were divorced, but it was... He definitely came back because they were still friends. And uh-huh. they had been divorced 25 years at that point. Mm-hmm. But he still came back. All his brothers, all the McGeehan side came back to be uh-huh. with her. It was neat. Uh, everybody liked her. Yeah. And it was cool to see that all come through. Um, but one of the things he said to me after I sent him the show and saw the reception I got from it, that he said, the most interesting thing to me is that the thing that took you off your path for so long might just be the thing that puts you back on it even stronger. And now I love that this story has opened up a whole new world to me of, I love telling stories, and I love personal narratives that are told in a way that are lesson-filled or, but are funny, but also have some gravitas or have some vulnerability to them. So I'd, it made me grow up where I used to have the whole thing of, everything has to just be funny. But now as I get older and the more I've seen things, it is, you can make funny hit harder if you dig deeper and go for other things that we all go through because the release, when you find a release for that, it's even funnier. Right. I, I think the key thing that you said there was, ooh, for me, 
was it's what we all go through. Mm -hmm. Because in that which we all go through isn't just a story, it's the emotions that go through that. Yeah. And so when we have a storyteller who is vulnerable, we go, oh, I've been vulnerable, I just haven't talked about it. Yeah. And it gives us the courage and the bravery, the opportunity, for the next opportunity that we have to share something vulnerable, to go, maybe I'll be vulnerable this time. And there's so much strength in vulnerability as well. Um, one of the guys who fascinates me is uh, Louis C.K. and just the fact that he is so bold in what he talks about himself, but I never look down on anything he says because he owns it, and a lot of it is so relatable on so many levels. That's the kind of storyteller I like listening to is when they are relatable and they are open and they are honest about themselves and are good at telling a story. Right, right. Let's stop there. All right. That was really good. Thank you so much. Of course. The drive, the focus, the energy, the commitment. Oh, my God. Uh, I neglected to ask Kevin what happened. Was there a wake? And Kevin said, that was the wake. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> You've been listening to ADD Comedy with Jay Brzezowski. I want to thank Kevin McGeehan. I also want to thank Ian Foley, our producer. Laura Parker, uh, co-producer, technical assistance. I want to thank my dear friend, musician extraordinaire, Al Rose, for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. And I want to thank you, our listeners. If you liked our show, give us a positive review on uh, iTunes, won't you? If you're interested in having me at your theater, improv school, corporate event, please visit DaveRazowski.com for more info. Thank you, and, well, we'll hear you in our ears. 